You're listening to the sermon audio for English Ministries at Tri-City Chinese Christian Church. We meet on Sundays at 11.30 a.m. at the Kyle Center in Port Moody, British Columbia. All right, this morning we are continuing in our series of um, the story of God. We have gone uh, from creation to the fall to Abraham. Uh, so I think that is the first 25 chapters of Genesis, which I believe is like the halfway point of Genesis there, uh, has taken us three so far, uh, uh, so far up in the series. So we've reached the point now where Abraham's long-awaited son through his wife, Sarah, has finally arrived. For 25 years, they uh, went through this roller coaster of hope and despair until this promised heir finally came. And we see Abraham's growth in faith after Isaac is born. When Isaac was a little older, uh, God decided to see if Abraham's faith would hold after all the blessings that he had given him. He has blessed him with wealth now and has now assured him that he's going to be turned into a great nation by having Isaac being born to Sarah. And so he tells Abraham to take his son and to travel to a mountain in the region of Moriah, where he's to sacrifice Isaac. And so Abraham gets his son, he packs his donkey, and he takes a few servants with him, and he goes on this three-day journey to the mountain that God was guiding him to. And when he got uh, to the mountain, he loaded up uh, Isaac with wood, and they went up uh, to a nice little hike uh, up the mountain to the place where God was guiding them. And as they were traveling up the mountain, Isaac looks up at his father and he says, Father, we have wood for the altar and fire, uh, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice that we're going to offer? And Abraham looks at his son and he says, The Lord will provide an offering for us. So they come to the spot where God had told Abraham to come to and they built an altar. And then Abraham seizes his son and binds him uh, and then places him on the altar. And he grabs a knife that he has and he raises it high about to strike Isaac when God's voice comes from heaven and calls Abraham. And Abraham replies, Here I am, Lord. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Now I know for sure that you will not hold anything back from me, not even your son. And as Abraham looked up, he saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. And he took it and he replaced Isaac with it on the altar and they sacrificed it to God in Isaac's stead. So we see Abraham's faith holds that he trusts that God is going to uh, continue with his promises even if Isaac uh, dies. Um, and so we see Abraham's faith in that way. And then Abraham's time is coming to an end and he wanted to make sure that Isaac did not return to his previous homeland uh, of Ur of the Chaldeans. Uh, and he also wanted to make sure that Isaac didn't marry one of the Canaanites in the area. So he sent one of his servants to the, his brother's household to find a wife for Isaac, because marrying cousins was a common practice uh, during these days. And so the servant uh, is guided to a well where he runs into a woman named Rebecca, who is a granddaughter of Abraham's brother Nahor. So she returns with um, 
with a servant and marries Isaac. And then Abraham dies at the good old age of 175. So Isaac and Rebekah are married when Isaac is 40 years old. And they too, like Abraham and Sarah, were having problems getting pregnant. But they didn't have to wait as long as those two. It says that Isaac prays to God on behalf of his wife, and then she becomes pregnant. So the answer comes fairly quickly once he prays. But within her, there is a lot of movement and jostling. And now she prays out to God and asks what is happening within her. And God answers and says, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. And when Rebecca gives birth, she gives birth to twins. The firstborn is covered in red hair, and so was named Esau, which means hairy. The second was born right after, grasping the heel of Esau as he came out, and so he was named Jacob, which means he grasps the heel. So Isaac was 60 years old when, he, uh, when the twins were born, so just had to wait 20 years until his sons came, and he had two. Uh, and the twins grew up, and Esau became a good hunter and loved being out in the open country. Jacob was a homebody who preferred to stay among the tents. Isaac loved himself some wild game, and so Esau became his favorite. Uh, while Jacob was a mama's, mama's boy, and so Rachel uh, grew to favor Jacob. Or sorry, Re Rebecca grew to favor Rachel. Uh, Rebecca grew to favor Jacob. Uh, Esau returned one day from his hunting uh, while Jacob was making a red lentil stew. And Esau was famished, and the smell of the delicious stew called him, caused him to salivate. Give me some of the stew that you are making, for I am starving, Esau asked Jacob. I will give you some of the stew if you trade me your birthright for it, is how Jacob replies. And Esau being ever so dramatic, says, what good is my birthright if I drop dead from starvation? And so Esau did not value his birthright as the firstborn, and instead he sells it to Jacob for some stew. So now all of the things that Isaac owns that he has inherited from Abraham is going to be passed off to Jacob instead of Esau. Meanwhile, uh, Isaac has a familiar encounter with a familiar king. When Abraham was living in the area, he had feared this man named Abimelech. In the same way that he had feared the Egyptians when he went down to Egypt during that famine. He was afraid that he would be killed so that they could take his beautiful wife Sarah as their own wife. And so he lies to Abimelech that, and says that Sarah is his sister. Um, so Abimelech ends up taking her into his household but then was warned by God in a dream that if he didn't return Sarah, he would be cursed. So now we fast forward to Isaac, and Isaac's living in the same land that Abraham was during this time, and he grows afraid that he's going to be killed because Rebekah is so beautiful. And so he goes to the family trick, the proven family trick, of saying that Rebekah is his sister. And so one day Abimelech is looking out his window, and he sees... Uh, Isaac getting all cuddly and caressing his sister, Rebekah. And so Abimelech brings Isaac to him and says, Rebekah is your wife. Why would you say that she's your sister? One of us could have taken her 
for their own wife, and you would have brought a curse down upon us. Abimelech has had this experience with Isaac's father. And so he makes a decree that anyone who harms Isaac or Rebekah would be put to death. Now during this time, we see another familiar theme come up, and that a famine hits the land that they're living in. But this time, God comes to Isaac and says, Don't go to Egypt. Stay in the land. So Isaac obeys, and despite the famine, his crops grow really well. And so he grows very rich off of this. And now the Philistines, who are the people that Abimelech rules, grows jealous of Isaac, and so they ask Isaac to move away from him. But they make a peace treaty together so that they promise to treat one another well. So Isaac finally moves away from the Philistine cities, and he settles in a place called Beersheba. Now as Isaac ages, um, his eyesight begins to go. And he feels as if his time is coming to an end. So he calls on his favorite son, his firstborn, Esau. And he says, I'm an old man and my time uh, is coming up. I'm not going to be here for much longer. So go hunt some wild game, prepare it in the way that I like, and bring it to me so that I can have a meal and then have the strength to give you my blessing before I die. And Rebecca is listening to this conversation. And when she sees Esau go and grab his bow and go out to go hunting, she goes and she grabs Jacob. And she says to him, your father has sent Esau out to go hunt to make him a meal to get the blessing when he returns. So quickly go out to our flock, get two lambs and bring them to me so that I can prepare them the way that your father likes. And then you can get the blessing instead of Esau. But Jacob was skeptical about this plan. And he says to his mother, but... If my father touches me and feels that I'm not hairy like Esau, he will see that I'm trying to trick him, and he's going to curse me instead of bless me. But Rebecca replies, If that happens, let the curse fall on me. I will deal with this. Just go do what I say. So Jacob does. He goes and gets a couple lambs. Rebecca prepares it in the way that her husband likes. And then she puts Esau's finest clothes on Jacob and covers, uh, and puts some of the sheep wool in he puts it on the back of Jacob's neck, on the back of his hands, and sends him into his father. And as Jacob comes to his father, Isaac asks, Who is it? It's your son, Esau. I have brought you some of my wild game to eat. But Isaac was skeptical. How did you find it so quickly? The Lord your God granted me great success. Come here so I can touch you, Isaac asks. And so Jacob draws near, and Isaac places his hands upon Jacob. The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are hairy like Esau's, Isaac thinks to himself. Are you really my son Esau? I am. Then bring me some of the game you have hunted. So Isaac eats the meal and drinks the wine that Jacob has brought him, and when he finished, he brings Jacob near and kisses him. And as he does, he gets a smell of Esau's clothes that Jacob is wearing. And so he blesses him. Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. After receiving the blessing, Isaac slips out of the room, and very shortly after, Esau enters with the meal he's prepared. 
Father, sit up and eat of my game so that I may receive your blessing. Who is this? Isaac asked. It's your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled in anger. This is Esau. Then who brought me hunted game, fed it to me, and to whom I gave my blessing? Esau gives out a mournful cry, and he pleads with his father, Bless me, bless me as well. But Isaac told him that Jacob had tricked him and stole Esau's blessing. Jacob is an apt name for him, Esau bemoans, because he who grasps the heel is a euphemism in Hebrew that means he who deceives. He's tricked me out of both my birthright and my blessing. Please, Father, you surely must have some sort of blessing for me. But Isaac had made Jacob lord over Esau. He had blessed him with an abundance of grain and wine, and so there was no blessing left for Esau. And Esau was distressed and angry. He muttered to himself that once his father died, he would kill his brother Jacob. And Rebekah overhears these mutterings, and she sends Jacob away to her brother's household, back where she came from. Once Esau calmed down, she would send for him to come back. But she made him promise not to marry a Canaanite woman. Esau, at this point, had already married two Canaanite women, much to the distress of his parents, but told him to find a wife from her brother's household. So Jacob returned to Isaac, who gave him another blessing, and then he flees out of the land of Canaan. But as he's on the border of the land, he lays down to sleep and he has a dream uh, that um, Ken read for us uh, this morning. He sees a stairway rising up and out of heaven, and angels are moving up and down it. And God stood at the top of the stairway and said, Jacob, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham and Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you stand. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Wherever you go, I will be with you, and I will watch over you until you return back to this land. Jacob wakes up from his dream and realizes that God is in the place he slept, and he did not even know it. And here Jacob gets passed on the blessing from Abraham to Isaac and now to Jacob. So Jacob arrives in the land of his mother, and he runs into Rachel, the daughter of Laban, who is um, Rebekah's brother. And he falls in love with her right away, and knew that she was the one who he wanted to marry. So Rachel brought him to her father Laban, who greets him with a big hug and brings him into his home. And Jacob stays with Laban for a month, tending his herd as a shepherd. But Laban felt it was wrong that Jacob was working for him for no pay. And so they make a deal, and Jacob says that he will work for seven years for Laban in exchange for Rachel's hand in marriage at the end of that seven years. And so Laban agrees, and Jacob works for seven years, but to him it says it, it felt just a few days because he was so in love with Rachel. And when the seven uh, years were up, they had a great feast to celebrate. And then Jacob went to bed, but instead of Rachel, Laban sent in Rachel's older sister Leah into the room, and Jacob slept with her, not knowing that it wasn't Rachel. And when he awoke in the morning and saw that it was Leah and not Rachel next to him, Jacob went to Laban and demanded to know why he had been deceived. And Laban says, It is not our custom to marry the youngest before the older. 
So work for me for another seven years, and then I will give you Rachel as well. And so Jacob works another seven years for Laban, and at the end of it, he's also given Rachel to, as, in, uh, as a wife. But much uh, conflict come between Leah and Rachel, the two sisters, because Jacob loved Rachel, but he didn't love Leah. And so Leah grew distressed. And God saw Leah's pain and so allowed her to have a child. In fact, she had four children. And now Rachel was unable to conceive and grew jealous of her sister. So she gave Jacob, her servant Bilhah, who had two sons. Then Leah stopped having children, but saw that Rachel's servant was bearing Jacob's children. So she gave Jacob her servant, Zilpah, who bore Jacob two more sons. And then in a deal over some mandrakes between Leah and Rachel, Leah got to go to bed with Jacob and gave birth to another son, and then another son shortly after. And now Rachel was very distressed because she had had no children. So God heard her cry, and then Rachel gave birth to two sons. So now we see that this nation is really starting to kick into effect. Abraham had one son through Sarah, and then Isaac has twins, and now Jacob here has 12 sons. So we see that Leah gives birth to Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. Uh, Rachel's servant Bilhah gives birth to Dan and Naphtali. Leah's servant uh, Zilpah gives birth to Gad and Asher. And then Rachel finally gives birth to Joseph, and then much later on gives birth to Benjamin. And these become the 12 tribes of Israel. So all these sons, except for Benjamin, who's born much later, are born while Jacob is working for Laban. But Jacob knew that it was time for him to return back to the land that was promised to him in Canaan. But Laban did not want Jacob to leave because he knew that he had grown wealthy and was blessed because Jacob was with him. And so he tells Jacob, I will pay you whatever you want for you to stay with me. And so Jacob makes a deal that he would receive all the sheep that are born or all the sheep that are spotted or uh, uh, fleckle, fleckled, fleckled, flecked, flecked, <laughs> all the sheep that are spotted or flecked, uh, and that Laban would get all the sheep that were just plain white or plain black. Uh, and so this deal is struck, and Jacob begins picking out the spotted and flecked sheep as his own. But he tends both flocks. And then when it comes time for the sheep to breed, Jacob, they always breed in front of this watering hole. So Jacob waits until the strong females and the strong males begin to breed. And when they breed, he puts these spotted branches in the water. And whenever the weaker females and weaker males breed, he takes the branches out. And for some reason, this causes those who bred in front of the spotted uh, branches would give birth to spotted and flecked sheep. Uh, and those who didn't gave birth to just straight colored sheep. And so what ends up happening is Jacob ends up having all the strong and healthy sheep in his flock, and Laban's flock grow weaker and sickly. Eventually, Jacob overhears Laban's sons grumbling over Jacob about how Jacob has now stolen everything from Laban. And Jacob also notices that Laban's starting to treat him with less favor. And God comes to Jacob and says, Go back to the land of your fathers and your relatives 
and I will be with you. So Jacob grabbed his family and his flocks, and he flees now from Laban's home back towards the land that was promised to Abraham and now promised to him. But Rachel had stole her father's household gods, little, like, I guess, figurines or stone statues, and put them in her saddlebag. And it was three days before Laban noticed that Jacob and his daughters and his grandchildren and his household gods had left. And so he sets off in pursuit of Jacob, and eventually he finally overtakes them three days later where they are camping. And he says to Jacob, you have left me to go back to your father's land by sneaking off. You've prevented me from sending you off with music and celebration. You've prevented me from kissing my children or my daughters and my grandchildren goodbye. And on top of it, you've insulted me by stealing my household gods. Well, Jacob takes offense to this last part. He says, I didn't steal your household gods. Search the bags, and if you find them, take them. But I didn't steal them. So Laban searches and uh, all the tents, and when he goes into Rachel's tent, she's sitting on the bag that contained the gods. And she says, excuse me for not standing in your presence, my lord, but I am on my period. And so Laban doesn't go near her and searches everywhere else uh, and doesn't find his household gods. So he kisses his daughters and his grandchildren goodbye and returns home. As Jacob draws, draw, uh, draws nearer and nearer to his home, he grows more and more anxious. He's afraid of how Esau is going to react to his return after he, well, screwed him over pretty badly. So he now comes to the border of the land and decides to send messengers to Esau to let him know about his return. And he instructs his messengers to say to Esau, your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban, our uncle, and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats, male and female servants. And now I'm sending a message to my Lord that I may find favor in your eyes. So the messengers go off and they deliver this message and they come back and they report that Esau is coming to meet him with 400 men accompanying, accompanying him. And Jacob's very afraid. He thinks that Esau maybe is coming to destroy him and, and his whole family and everything that God has given to him. And so he prays to God. He then decides to set up two camps, each with half of his family, so that if Esau does attack in the middle of the night, one camp at least can escape, and so that his whole family won't be killed. So he sends them across the river into the land, and he camps and remains on the other side that night. He also splits up all he owns into, these, into three groups, and he sends them towards Esau. And he tells them that every, each group, that when they get approached by Esau, to say, these belong to your servant Jacob, and they are a gift sent to my lord Esau, and he's coming behind us. So that night, as Jacob's anxious and sitting and waiting on the other side of the river, a man comes to him, and they just start to wrestle. And they fight against each other until the sun begins to rise. And Jacob's clutching the man, uh, and this man saw that he couldn't overpower Jacob. And so he reaches out and touches Jacob's hip and dislocates it. Jacob falls, but he continues to hold fast and grasp to the man. Let me go, for the sun is rising, the man says to him. I will not let you go until you bless me. What's your name? asked the man. Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. 
And with that, the man leaves. And Jacob calls the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he says, it is because I saw God's face to face, and yet my life was spared. So Jacob crosses over the river in the morning and saw Esau and his men awaiting him. Jacob takes his family and goes to Esau, with Jacob going on ahead of them. And Esau runs up and embraces his brother. Who are these that are with you, my brother? Esau asks. They are the wives and children the Lord has blessed me with. And the female servants with their children bow before Esau. And then Leah with her children bow before him. And then finally Rachel with, uh, with Joseph bows down before him. And what is the meaning of all these flocks and herds that I encountered on the way here? They are a gift to find favor in your eyes, Jacob replied. But Esau insists, I have plenty, keep them for yourself. But Jacob is persistent and gives it all to Esau. Esau then offers to escort Jacob further into the land, but Jacob, still anxious about Esau possibly attacking him, says that the little ones are tired uh, and they don't want to slow down Esau. So eventually the brothers part, and so now God has finally brought Jacob safely back into the land that is promised to him. So the story of Jacob is quite a long one. A lot happens in Jacob's story. and You could easily do a whole series on Jacob's story. So we'll only touch briefly on parts of it here. But we see that Jacob is a man who fights and struggles for everything he gets his hands on. He starts as the underdog, the second-born and homebody compared to the rugged and tough firstborn Esau. Jacob is the kind of character that um, I think our Western society probably would celebrate. He fights for everything he earns. He reaches out and grabs uh, what he wants. Um, it's probably out of his story that we get phrases like, God helps those who help themselves. This is kind of what Jacob's life looks like for the majority uh, of pretty much throughout this whole story. He manipulates and he deceives his brother to get his birthright. And then his father, he manipulates and deceives to get the blessing meant for Esau. And this causes great conflict to the point that he has to flee from his family. And then now the deceiver Jacob gets deceived by his uncle Laban and he gets tricked into marrying Leah instead of his love Rachel. And so he gets tricked into an extra seven years of labor for Laban. But then Jacob turns it around on Laban and manipulates him so that he somehow, this weird way with spotted branches, is able to get the stronger and bigger flock than Laban. And again, his deception causes him to flee where he is from, or where he's residing, and go back to his land. And the climax of the story comes with Joseph and or sorry, with Jacob and his struggle with God before returning to the land that he's promised. He grasps and he clings to God in a night-long struggle to receive a blessing, and he's named Israel, which means he struggles with God. And Jacob's wrestling with God is a summary of his life as he deceives and manipulates his way into getting God's promises and seeing it become a reality for himself. Jacob isn't willing to wait and trust in God's faithfulness like his grandfather Abraham was, who was told to Rachel that the older, Esau, would serve the younger, Jacob. But Jacob did all he could in his own power 
to ensure that this would happen and with his mother's uh, own effort. And so he manipulates and he deceives uh, to try to get these things. And this results in great strife in his relationships. His deception of Esau and Isaac causes his brother to want to kill him and his father to be quite angry with him, forcing him to leave his land that his descendants were to receive. And then that manipulation catches up to him as Laban deceives him into marrying Leah instead of Rachel. But then he manipulates Laban for the flocks. And we kind of see uh, Dan last week uh, kind of mentioned this family pattern of deception in the lives of these patriarchs. We see Abraham lying to the Egyptians and to Ab Abimelech about his relationship with his wife, saying it's his sister. And his father Isaac does the same thing with Rebekah with Abimelech. And now we see Jacob's whole life here is characterized by deception. And God sees that Jacob decided to go about his life this way, to struggle and wrestle with others. So God comes and engages Jacob where he's at on his level, and he comes and he wrestles and he struggles with Jacob. Because that seems to be how to communicate with Jacob. And it results in Jacob with a dislocated hip that will cause him to limp for the rest of his life. But Jacob receives the blessing from God. And we see his transformation. He becomes generous with his brother Esau. He sends him gifts in order to appease him. But pretty much everything he owns, he's sending over to Esau. It's a generosity that he's showing. Rather than running away or trying to trick him, he becomes generous with what he has. And he's trusting now that God will have his back. Now that he's wrestled with God and has lived. Before he wrestled with God, we see him in his kind of his lowest of lows in this desperate state as he prays out to God. It's the first time we see him praying to God. Everything else he has worked and manipulated to seize for himself. And that prayer results in God coming and engaging with him and wrestling with him. And he clings to God and seeks him. And when God transforms Jacob, and when we engage with God and seek and cling to him and wrestle with him and struggle with him, we are transformed into new people, the people that God desires us to be. So Jacob now, at the end of our story here today, has come into the land and has been transformed more into this man of God. He's starting to put away aside that deception, and that's signified by his name being transformed from Jacob, or deceiver, into Israel. But just because he has been transformed doesn't mean that the consequences of this has gone away. His life of deception and manipulation still has effects of conflict in his life and in his family, and that's what we're going to look at next week. And so... Perhaps some of us are feeling like we are in that struggle with God, that our attempts to, to pray to him, to seek him, that we're just trying to cling to him. And sometimes it feels like he's trying to evade us. And we see in the story of Jacob that through str that struggle, God can transform us. It's through those trials and those battles that God transforms our character into those fruits of the Spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians, where we become more patient, more peaceful, more loving, more generous, as in the case of, uh, of Jacob, more steadfast and all those things. And so the challenge for us is to keep 
that struggle, keep fighting, keep wrestling with God. Israel's what Jacob's name is changed into, and that's what the nation takes as its name, as Israel, which really, as you will see throughout the rest of the story of the God, is a great name for that nation as they continue to struggle and wrestle with God uh, and what it is like to be chosen people of God and what that entails for their lives. And so the encouragement for us today is to keep that struggle and that wrestle with God um, because that's how, how he has characterized his chosen people.